Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Have you ever been in a conversation um, with someone uh, and they say something that makes you realize, I don't, I don't think we're on the same page about, about this, or I don't think that we think the same about this subject, or I'm not really sure we think, you know, I think the way that you do about this. So let me give you a fictional example. So um, a month ago or so, um, Taylor Swift came to town, came to Detroit. You know, she did a concert at Ford Field. She might have done two. Um, and a few days before, um, before the concert, tickets were selling for like $1,500 a piece. That's like the far seats and something, something crazy. Uh, so <clears throat> if a day before the concert you were talking to me and I said, yeah, I think I'm going to take out a loan for $3,000 so my wife and I can go to see Taylor Swift, um, you might not say anything, but you would think, you're crazy. And you would, you would think, I don't think we think the same about money. Or I don't think we think, we don't think the same, clearly we don't think the same about what's appropriate to take out a loan for and what's not appropriate to take out a loan for. Um, I, I don't think we look at Taylor Swift the same way. Uh, maybe you see her in a different stratosphere than I do. Uh, clearly we have, you know, you, you think of her different than I do. So, um, and again, you would think that I haven't taken out the loan, I haven't done anything yet. But just because I made that statement, that tells you that we think of things differently. We think of money and Taylor Swift and we're, we're, on, a different, we're on a different page. In Matthew um, chapter 5, Jesus makes this statement. He says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. And throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Uh, If you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery. I mean, if you find yourself lusting, uh, looking at a woman and lusting, uh, you can't quit, then gouge out your eye. Um, <clears throat> Jesus' audience uh, would have been like, oh, <laughs> whoa. Um, the whole, I don't think that we, we mean the same thing when we, when we use the word adultery, Jesus. And, and I don't think that we're, we're, look, we're looking at the same, when we see a woman, and I, I don't think that we look at it the same way. Um, and, and Jesus says, if your right hand causes you to sin or getting in the way somehow of, of keeping you from lusting, you cut your hand off. The, the response should be, whoa, I don't think we're on the same page about lusting Jesus because that's crazy. What you're talking about is, is insane. Jesus' audience would have thought that, um, but if we're honest, and if you read this honestly, you have, we think the same way. Jesus' words are not how we think. 
If you read this honestly, we have to admit that we're not on the same page as Jesus. And Jesus' audience would have thought, come on, Jesus, I'm, if I'm, I'm looking at a woman, that can't be adultery. I haven't actually slept with her. I mean, it's, what's the big deal? I'm not hurting anyone. You're talking about cutting my hands off. And we think similarly. We think similarly. Um, the Baltimore Sun um, is the oldest newspaper in Baltimore. Uh, it's the, with the largest circulation. Um, they still have a presence online. It's still a thing. So several years ago, an article in the Baltimore Sun titled, Yes, Window Shopping is Okay if You're in a, in a Secure, Committed Relationship. Um, it, it appeared in the, in the Sun. So I wanted to read to you the first paragraph of... You're strolling down the street hand-in-hand with your significant other when a tasty treat walks by. What does your sweetie do? Does he put on blinders, keeping his eyes on the sidewalk, or does he dare look? According to a recent informal poll by Men's Health Magazine, it depends. 53% of men will look. And the rest of of the article goes on to uh, make the case why there can't ever be any harm in just looking. Uh, This is just a quick sidebar. If we're in a conversation, we're talking together, arguing, and you start off with, I was walking down the street and a tasty treat. We're not on the same page. <laughs> We're not on the same page. Um, clearly, we think differently. Jesus makes the statement that if you look lustfully, um, that's adultery. And if we're honest, when we read it, we'd have to say, Jesus, clearly we're not on the same page about lust or adultery or marriage. We are, we are not on the same page. In Matthew um, 5, 27 through 30, Jesus' comments are about marriage, even though he doesn't use the word marriage. Um, Jesus is, is, he says, I'm going to say something about lust and adultery and marriage that is going to reveal that we're not on the same page. He's doing it intentionally. He's saying, he's saying it intentionally. He's like, I want, I want you to see where I'm at about this and where you're at about this. So Jesus is in the middle of a sermon. We've been talking about Jesus is in the middle of a sermon that many Jesus' followers call the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, Jesus repeatedly says things that reveal how radically he thinks about uh, various subjects. And he begins with radical ideas about who's blessed and who's not. Um, he says radical things about persecution. He says, be glad when you're persecuted. Um, uh, be glad when people lie about you. When he makes that statement, you have to say, Jesus, I don't think we think the same about persecution or having people lie about us. Um, Jesus says radical, radical things about anger um, and name-calling uh, that reveal clearly we're not on the same page about anger because we, we, we hold anger, we, we keep it. Um, and today, he speaks about lust and adultery and marriage. Um, and, and our culture, our culture, I think that we'd all agree, our culture greatly misunderstands sex and romance and marriage. And it's why Jesus' statement about lust and adultery makes no sense to us. And again, 
if you're a Jesus follower and you've been reading this your whole life, then you know you, you take it for granted. But like, if, we don't think we don't think this. The late Tim Keller was a pastor and author, and he talks about the idea of how God established marriage. Um, in the beginning, uh, uh, to top off creation, God brings Eve to Adam, and he says this. He says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two of them become one. So the Bible begins with the marriage. In the very, very beginning, there's this marriage. And then the Bible also, some of you know that the Bible also ends with a marriage. Um, listen to this. It says, this is in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. It says this, let us be joyful and glad. Let us give him glory. It is time for the lamb's wedding. The lamb is, is Jesus. Jesus is having a wedding. His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the right things that God's holy people do because of Jesus. I'm going to go on. Um, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. It was coming down out of heaven from God. It was prepared like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne. It said, look, God now makes his home with the people. He will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. So and just let me pause really quick. Um, all these words are lending itself. Like if we were just talking about a person, he's saying, this person and this person, we're going to live together. You say, oh, that's a wedding. This is a wedding. And then think about this. Think about this. Th- th- this verse says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Think about this. Pause for a second. Just think. Who in your life Would you allow to wipe your tears? Like if you're in a situation where you're sitting with someone and you're crying, they might pat you on the back or say, oh, it's okay. But like if they leaned in with the cleanest and they started wiping your tears, you'd be like, okay. You save that. That's a pretty intimate thing. You don't let just anybody wipe your tears. What he's saying here is we're going to have, we're going to be together. I'm going to be the God and you're going to be my people. And I'm, you're going to cry. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean in. I'm going to wipe your tears. We're going to be, it's, it's, he's talking about a relationship. And then he says this. There will be no more death. He's quoting, he's quoting an Old Testament verse. And there will be no more sadness. And there will be no more crying or pain. And things are no longer gonna, things are no longer the way they used to be. Um, and so, do you understand all the things that this means? Um, I, I talked about this in a, in a message recently, but it's worth saying again. Um, the way that you long, um, you long for an imperfect sinner. To, to complete you or to fulfill you um, the, the romantically, the way that you, you long for somebody that's a human being to make you feel important and keep you from feeling lonely or small or disposable, Jesus wants to do that for you fully and finally and forever. Fully and finally and forever. The way that you try to use grades or your accomplishments or your kids' accomplishments to make you feel complete or better about yourself. He's saying, put that stuff away. All that stuff's going to be over. And 
I'm going to fulfill you. Because, and again, when those things don't happen, you know, the, the sadness and the crying and the pain that come along with not getting fulfilled or things, your, your marriage doesn't turn out like you thought it would, your kids don't turn out like you thought they would, your job doesn't, your career, it, nothing turns out like you thought it would. And Jesus is saying, There's, all this stuff's going to be no more, and I am going to fulfill it all forever. Oh, <laughs> yes. Good times, <laughs> good times, good times. So much technology. Uh, forever um, supreme satisfaction and ultimate joy in Christ as your spouse. And I think that what is interesting is God saying, I don't just want to be your king. I don't just want to be your boss. I don't just want you to follow commands. I want to be your spouse. I want you to be the bride of Christ. I want you to be the bride of Christ. Whenever I, I'll speak for myself. Whenever I think about being the bride of Christ, you know, it's like, Jesus, I don't think we have the same idea of what it means to be a bride. Um, I don't think I want to be a bride. Uh, that makes me uncomfortable. Now, us guys think, you know, we think that because, you know, we have all these ideas about what it means to be a bride. Uh, but we need to stretch our minds to see what he means. And even though the thought of me becoming a bride, it makes me uncomfortable. It means so much more than being a woman in a white dress at a wedding. Um, and again, we should just think about this. Women do this all the time, right? Ladies, you guys do this all the time. This, the Bible will say something like, I'm going to make you all sons of God. Uh, and all the ladies are like, okay, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, mean, I don't have to be a male to be a son. So if God says he's going to make me a son, I'm going to be a son. If he says I'm going to make you a bride, I'm going to be a bride. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever, the, uh, whatever he says. I'll be whatever he says. Jesus says incredibly difficult things that reveal that we don't think the same as one another. And so coming, coming to marriage, coming back to marriage, in the beginning of time, there's this marriage. And then at the end of time, there will be a marriage. And in between, God says, your marriages here on earth are supposed to, to point to the final marriage. If God invented marriage, um, we should really you know, try really hard to seek him and trust him for what marriage means or what it is. And, and even if it's very different from what we think. So marriage is designed by God to display the glory of God. Marriage is designed by God to display the glory of God. I, I want you to think about this for a moment because um, we think, you know, we think that marriage is for something entirely different. Um, if you're a Jesus follower, this, is, this shouldn't surprise you though, right? Isn't it the purpose of everything that God's made? All things are made to display the glory of God, but marriage is uniquely made to communicate something true about Jesus and the way he relates to his people. So pastor and author John Piper says it this way, um, the meaning of marriage is the display of the covenant-keeping love between Christ and his church. The meaning of marriage is the display of the covenant-keeping love between Christ and his church. So about 2,000 years ago, a man um, named the Apostle Paul 
uh, writes a letter to uh, a place called Ephesus. He talks about marriage. Um, in that letter, Paul um, implies that God invented marriage. When, when God invented marriage, he already had the idea of Jesus' saving work and the, the ultimate marriage in mind. So Paul says this. He says, wives, follow the lead of your own husbands as you follow the Lord. And husbands, love your wives. Love them just as Christ loved the church. He gave himself up for her. Scripture says, now he's quoting the the first marriage. He says, Scripture says that's why a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two will become one. That's a deep mystery, mystery. But here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Christ and the church. The deep mystery, profound mystery of the union of Christ and his bride is really hard to understand. It's really hard to understand. Um, it's really hard to accept. accept. Um, we'd rather think about being religious as being nice and uh, coming to church regularly and singing songs. But Jesus says, I think those things are great. But here's what I mean when I say religious, or here's what I mean when I'm calling you to me. I'm calling you into a relationship as as intimate, as important as marriage. It's so much more, and it's hard to understand. That relationship is really hard to understand. But God created marriage as one of God's great, Analogies. One of the great purposes of marriage is to give us a picture of the relationship between Christ and his church. That relationship, that relationship is going to last forever. Marriage here on earth is just a shadow or an echo or an analogy that points to the real thing. So some of you know that, that Jesus teaches that our marriages here on earth will end when we die. And some of you are like, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Your marriage here on earth is going to end when you die because our marriages here are an appetizer or a pointer or a director to something that's going to last forever. They're supposed to point to the ultimate marriage. This is one one of the reasons why if you're married, that's great. Be married, be great in your marriage. But if you're single... That's great, too, because in a unique way, you have the ability to skip over this temporary marriage to the ultimate marriage and let that be your focus for your life. Because that marriage is going to last forever. It's like you said, I'm going to skip that one and just move on to that one. You can do that in a way that uh, those of us who are married on this earth cannot. Single folks can teach us something about how to focus on that ultimate marriage now that we can't, that it's hard to learn when you're married here on earth now. So, so, with that ultimate marriage in mind, let's go back around to what Jesus says in Matthew 5. Thinking of that ultimate marriage and and what the purpose of marriage is here displaying the covenant-keeping love between Christ and his church. Thinking of that, let's go back to look at what Jesus says in Matthew 5. Maybe, maybe let's see if it makes any more sense. Jesus says, 
You have heard that it was said, you must not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Jesus is saying, listen, and he's talking to men mostly. He says, Jesus is saying, men, in your marriage, you are playing my role. And your wife plays the role of the church. So have you ever seen a movie like uh, it's, it's based on true facts and it's somebody's life and they put this movie out and then the person whose life is about, they come forward and they say, hey, it wasn't really like that. I don't like the way that he's representing me. Jesus is saying, your life is, your marriage is like a movie of the real story that's actually going to happen in the future and you must represent me well. Make me look like the truth. There's no room. There's, if, there, if that's true, then there's no room for you to be looking at another woman lustfully. You are representing, you're representing me. Some of you have jobs that you love where you get to go out of town and you represent your company um, and you represent your bosses to clients. Um, and because you know you're representing someone else, you behave differently. You do things and you say things differently than if you would if you were just on vacation with your family or your buddies or, or whoever. You don't say something. Sometimes you know, oh, I feel like I'm, I should say this. And you don't say it because you know you're representing someone else. It's like you say to yourself, yeah, yeah, I better not do that. I'm representing the company. Or yeah, I better not say that. I'm representing my boss. In marriage, Jesus is saying, you are representing me. You are representing me. He would say, I'm not looking around and exploring other options. I'm not window shopping. My whole self is dedicated to the church, so much so that I give my life. I give my life. Think about this. Think about this. You can be honest. Maybe you don't think like me. If you see a couple together, and you know, you, you're noticing them, you're, maybe you're across the restaurant or something like that, you see a couple together, and then you notice that the guy is checking out other women, do you think, what an honorable guy? Ladies, do you think, man, I, I wish I was with that guy. He is such an, mm, he's so committed. What? Of course not. Of course, of course, you don't think. I was watching. I was watching a movie the other day, The Wedding Singer. If you've ever seen The Wedding Singer with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore, um, so Drew Barrymore is in this movie. In the movie, Drew Barrymore is actually engaged to this guy, um, and one of the ways the writers establish that this guy is bad news is they have the guy check out other women when Drew Barrymore is not paying attention, and the writers intend for us to all think this guy's not a very good guy. He's kind of gross. Jesus is saying, in your marriage, I want you to live gritted teeth radically to the person that you are married to. And if you live like that, if you live like that in your relationships, maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe your children or someone else in your life will step back and say, man, if, if Jesus loves like that, Maybe that's 
that's something I want in on. If Jesus loves that radically, maybe that's something I need to be a part of. Maybe they'll be inspired by how you act in marriage and be willing to enter into the ultimate marriage with Jesus Christ. Do you act like that in your marriage here? Do you, if you're single, do you act like that in your marriage to Christ here, showing to everyone what this is like? I need to say, I need to pause for for just a few minutes. And again, Jesus says things often that don't make sense to our minds that are really hard to accept. And so I'm not saying, I'm not saying at all, this isn't hard to accept and boy, this isn't too much. It it is a lot. It is a lot. But here's here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you find yourself in a position where you're not representing me well in marriage, or you're looking at other women, gouge your eyes out. (laughs) Cut your hands off. Do what you must do, because you're representing me, and eternity is at stake. There's so much at stake. Do what you must do. So a lot of guilt around lust in, in church religious circles. I, I want to pause for just a few minutes and talk about what Jesus means by lust. So sometimes we talk about, I'd like to talk about this sometimes. Sometimes to understand what Jesus is saying, it's good to just to clarify what he's not saying. So uh, here's what he cannot mean. He can't mean that if you're married or after you get married, all of a sudden you will, you will just stop recognizing or realizing when a person is physically attractive. That. He can't mean that. That's not going to happen. Throughout Christian history, um, there have been a lot of really self-righteous people who have suggested that to notice that someone is beautiful is a sin. Um, and it's created a lot of unnecessary shame and guilt and terrible burden. Uh, or, or the idea that when a thought comes to your mind, is clearly inappropriate. You are just the worst person on earth. You're just a t- you might even say to yourself when that thought comes to mind, you're like, I don't, I'm not even sure where that came from, or I don't know why I'm ha- that's happening. That passing thought is not what Jesus is talking about here. Lust is when you go past noticing, you go past the fleeting thought, you're at the starting line then. You, you want to see the second look, or you want to have you know, someone, you, you take someone in your life and you insert them into your daydreams, about what a sexual relationship with them, that person could be like. Um, God created sex to be a beautiful expression of, of the physical, emotional, relational oneness and vulnerability. So lust is about using a person for your own purpose. It's dehumanizing a person to fulfill your own fantasy and saying, wow, what a tasty treat. Just garbagey, terrible thing to do. But clearly we do this. We do this. We daydream about some person fulfilling what we're longing for. We use people in our lives, whether, even if it's not sexually or lust-related. We use people to get what we want. To stop doing it is, if we're not going to do it, it won't be easy. It won't be easy. In our culture, we tend to feel like, you know, if it's hard, it must be wrong. But I'm telling you right now, Do what Jesus says here. It will be hard. You should expect to fight. And it will be exhausting. 
You have to fight the exhausting fight of setting your mind on better things. You have to fight the fight of being vulnerable and talking with others about the struggle. You have to fight this fight to, 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 to stay in it. And if, 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 you, if you fight it, you will fail, but you will get back up. It's helpful for me to know that something's going to be in a fight. We talk, I've talked about this before. Like if, if you invite me to somewhere and I get there, and you're like, okay, Daryl, we're going to fight somebody. We got to fight this dude. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> but if you said, hey, Daryl, this dude took one of my kids. We got to go fight him. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> let's fight that dude. <laughs> because I know ahead of time that there's going to be a fight that helps me get into the right headspace. I'm telling you now, in regards to lust, there is going to be a fight. So get in that headspace. Get in that headspace to represent Christ the way that he is supposed to look glorious and attractive. I, I, I sometimes, you know, Think this, and people will say to me, oh, what's the big deal? I'm saying, well, we're not, I'm not hurting anybody. In Matthew 5, Jesus says um, in a radical way, it's a big deal. Certainly, not, all, not only are you dehumanizing a precious human being, you are mis- misrepresenting how Christ behaves in the ultimate marriage to his, to, uh, to his bride, the body of Christ. So let me ask you this. Um, when Jesus says something super crazy, do you trust him? When Jesus says something that you don't, you're like, I don't think I agree with that. In other words, Jesus says something that you're, I don't really like that. Jesus says something, he makes a statement, and it's clear that you are, Jesus, I don't know what you're talking about because we are not on the same page. When that happens, who wins? Like, who gets to say, okay, this idea wins. In this, when Jesus says something crazy about adultery or lust or sexuality, do you trust him? Do you trust him? If there's any topic that we don't believe Jesus about in our culture today, it's lust and sex and romance. We're like, Jesus, you don't even know what you're talking about. This is old stuff. And that's the test, right? That's the test. When Jesus says something like love one another, we're like, oh, yeah, that's all. That's true. I'm on board with that. When Jesus says something about sex and romance and marriage, he's like, ah, whoa, back. I want to bring this up to you. And again, obviously, everything that, that the worship team did and Jeremy says leading up to this. Do you trust Jesus? Not, not for convenient things, but when he says hard things, hard things. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Will you trust him then? They saying earlier, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word. I take you at your word, Jesus. You said it, I take you at your word. Just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. He said, what, that, what that means, what he's saying is, you said it. So I'm in. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. You said it. So I'm in. Here's what I want uh, for you to do. 
be honest. Be honest about whether or not you believe, you trust Jesus. Do you, do you trust what he says? Certainly about marriage and lust and all those, but do you trust him? Do you trust him? I'm going to pray right now for uh, him to help us trust him. And here's what you, you know, here's what you know intuitively about that is in order for Jesus to help us trust him more typically means he's going to lead us into something uncomfortable, some kind of situation where we're like, I don't agree with that or I don't really like that or I'm very scared, um, something like that. So when I pray prayers like that, especially publicly, I like to, I like to try to give a disclaimer That's where we're going. That's what, that's what I'm asking for. And so, you know, while I'm praying, if you want to say, hey, Jesus, don't count me out of that one, <laughs> then by all means, that's, that's for you. But for those of you who are willing, I want to invite you to ask him to help you for the grace to trust him more. Let's pray. Dear Father, uh, I, I find it terrifying to ask for uh, things like humility or patience or trust. And I suspect part of what that means is that I don't really trust you. I don't really trust that whatever you're going to bring me through is going to be far better for me than leaning on my own understanding. And so uh, even though I don't want it, even though I don't want to, even though I'm afraid of what it might mean, I want to ask for you to help us trust you. Help us trust you more. Help us to believe you when you say whatever you say. And help us to build our life around, build our life around that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.